This is News Talk 980 CKNW. 646, that means it's time to check in with Rick Forchuk. We'll find out what's happening in theaters and such. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, and one big movie to talk about this morning. Yes, and it's big. It's on track to do about 150,000, sorry, 150 million at the box office this weekend, which is huge. It'll be a record breaker. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's volume two, and the movie, Jill, is many things, meaning that it can hit a lot of bases for different audiences. On one level, it's a big screen sci-fi extravaganza with aliens, exotic spaceships, and plenty of action. On another level, it's a faithful sequel to the first film from two years ago that answers many questions left hanging in that movie. And finally, it is a trivia extravaganza. I will likely have to watch it again to pick up all the references in this intergalactic setting to such things as Sam and Diane from Cheers, Knight Rider and David Hasselhoff, and a number of difficult-to-catch original series Star Trek references. Now, the action picks up with a plot that begins with a very young Kurt Russell, a result of makeup job enhanced with computer-generated effects, making him look far better than he ever did at age 25, um, with a backup soundtrack playing Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass, a 1972 number one hit. We see a pair of lovers, Russell's character and a young woman, whom we quickly learn will become the mother of Peter Quill. That's Chris Pratt's carrier, uh, character, uh, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Now, when we make the move into the galactic reaches, we see just what Star-Lord and his team are up to now. <clears throat> Excuse me. It turns out that they're in the midst of what will become a major conflict between hordes of aliens who could only have come from the extras cast of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, or maybe the baddies from Waterworld, ugly, bad teeth, meaner than a WWE wrestler looking for revenge, and headed for major conflict with anybody who crosses their rocket trails. There are a number of characters, too, that uh, might have been Klingons or Romulans in the Star Trek universe, allowed here to use language never allowed on television back in those days. The overall plot line consists of Peter Quill's ongoing search for his father, and it's one of those be-careful-what-you-wish-for issues. Now, for those who have just tuned in and may have missed why Quill is in this situation, the first movie showed us how, in 1980, he'd been abducted by aliens. All he had were the clothes on his back, and his Sony Walkman and some tapes which create the soundtrack of the film, and it's really quite stirring. Now, having left his abductors and having hooked up with his crew, including Rocket Raccoon, voiced by Bradley Cooper, Gamora, played by Zoe Saldana, uh, Drex, played by uh, wrestler Dave Bautista, and Baby Groot, who's the voice of Vin Diesel, a couple of newbies too, were off on new adventures, including the search for Dad, which results in finding Ego, Kurt Russell's character, who turns out to be a god with a lowercase g. Good guys exchange sides here, as do the baddies, and the action, the clever dialogue, and the extra insight into each character provides a great ride. Now, this is a Marvel movie, although it comes from Disney, which means that you do not, you just do not leave your seat when the credits start to run. There are at least five scenes that are still to be seen as the role goes on, so uh, some of these finish up the action in this movie, and two set up the action in the next movie. A cameo by Marvel Comics co-creator Stan Lee is funny and on point, and what comes next is intriguing. It would not hurt at all to watch the first one again before seeing this sequel. It'll help fill in some of the blanks, although you'll do just fine, even if you never saw the first one. I had great fun with it, although I must admit, for the first 20 minutes or so, I thought it was just okay. But that changed as the action progressed. Uh, The rating is PG, there's a little bit of language in this, uh, but overall, good movie, Joe. Why do they do that with the credits? Is it so you stay and watch the credits? Well, it's 
it started off with Marvel. Um, for whatever reason, uh, Marvel decided in its very early movies to preview the next movie at the end of the credits from the first movie. And um, I think it's nice to stay and watch the credits, uh, but this has gone uh, from movie to movie to where there's more and more and more stuff after the movie ends. And you really have to stay to catch it all. And, um, you know, there's a lot of credits. <laughs> a lot of people that do computer stuff, it's page after page after page. So not sure entirely of the reason, Jill. All right. But uh, just be warned, don't leave when the credits start to roll if you're exactly. at that film. Uh, so that's the only movie we're talking about today in theaters. So what's popped up on the streaming services? Well, here's a very good one on Netflix if you like war movies, and I do. Uh, this one's called Sandcastle. It's current. It's from 2017. And it is a Netflix original, so it's never been in theaters. Uh, the war in Iraq is the setting as we're introduced to a squad of American soldiers who are asked to protect with small village. As is often the case in desert warfare, Jill, just who is a villager and who is a jihadist is not clear, and the special forces fighters are not sure what is a friendly and what is not. The story is based on the real-life experiences of the writer, Chris Rosner, a sometime actor with only one credit seven years ago on his resume. Much of what happens in the film actually happened to Rosner and his team while fighting in Iraq where he was a U.S. Marine. Now, if there's any exaggeration at all in this story, it's within the area of soft-pedaling some of what's shown, because the actual events, according to those who were there, the actual violence was too much to be believable on screen, so they toned that down a little bit. Now, the rating is 14A. It's a very, very interesting film. And as I said, if you uh, like desert warfare movies, this is a very, very good one. It's Sandcastle on Netflix. Sandcastle. Uh, we also have Big Eyes. Yeah, this is a really interesting movie. It sort of got lost with all the big films in 2014, when it came out. It's an interesting look at a true story, the life of artist Margaret Keane, played by Amy Adams, who developed the art style of various characters with very big eyes, which was a commercial phenomenon in the 1960s. The problem is, although she was the artist, credit for her work was taken by her husband, Walter Keane, played here very, very well by Christoph Waltz. Uh, because of his own failings as an artist, he convinced his wife that it would be, quote, better, unquote, if he were to sign the paintings and not her. As time passed and the pictures became a standard decoration in the homes not only of the rich and the famous and the powerful, but of regular folks as well, Walter became more and more abusive and kept the financial windfall to himself. Finally, Margaret made a decision to claim what was her own, and therein lies the drama as she takes him to court. Uh, the rating is 14A. It's called Big Eyes. It's a very good movie, Jill. Yes, I, I saw that one when it came out. I remember it was a, a very good film. Uh, so we're seeing if you've got Netflix. Uh, what about Crave? Well, Crave has got Witch Hunt. Now, this is an older movie. It's from 1994, and it was made for TV. It's been long buried, and it's interesting to see it come back. The theme has suddenly become relevant again with such movies as Fantastic Creatures and the Harry Potter series being so popular. This one is set in the 1950s. We have Dennis Hopper as a private eye on a murder case. Only it's not the regular 1950s that many of us still know and love. In this world, everybody uses magic to do everything, except for H. Philip Lovecraft, Hopper's character, who refuses to use magic. It's all straight up for him. His client is Kim Hudson, played by Penelope Ann Miller, and his best source for info is a witch, played by Cheryl Lee Ralph. When he consults her on this case, she is mysteriously sentenced to be burned at the stake. The rating is 14A, very unusual movie, very well made. It's called Witch Hunt. It's on Crave TV. Oh, it does sound a bit odd. And uh, let's take a look at uh, good old-fashioned TV. Yeah, a couple of things to talk about tonight on television, Jill. The last 100 days of Diana. 
We have British author and newsman, and uh, some people would say Martin Bashir is not really a newsman. He's more of a, I don't know, he's more of a strange person, but uh, he does have the moniker of tabloid newsman. He narrates this look at the 100 days leading up to the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, in an interesting approach that now with the advantage of a number of years of history since the event, takes on a different look when done from this perspective. For those intensely interested in the life and the death of the princess who was killed in an accident in a Paris tunnel in August of 1997, you won't find much new in this two-hour special. Much of it has been covered before, and sometimes even better, but Brashear has chosen to take the approach that in those last three months leading up to her demise, there were many signs that this is where things were heading. Many observers disagree completely with his premise. Uh, you can decide for yourself. It's tonight on ABC. That's the last 100 days of Diana. All right. And we've gone from talking about uh, Witch Hunt to The Good Witch. Yes, Good Witch. Uh, after six made-for-TV movies over six years, it was decided to take this Good Witch concept that stars Catherine Bell from JAG as the title character, a modern-day witch with modern-day magic, and turn it into a TV series. Well, tonight we get the debut of Season 3 as Romance Hang heavy over the proceedings. That is on the W Network, and uh, this really has attracted a strong, strong audience, particularly among younger women, and uh, it's a good show. Done very, very, It's done very, very well, and uh, W has done well with it, so uh, that's Good Witch tonight on W. I saw, I saw the preview for that, and there's the actor who's, because I know how you said that romance hangs very heavy uh, in it right now. There's the actor, and he was in Desperate Housewives, but I was laughing a little bit because he seems to always play the exact same role. He's always the same guy. And I think he He's the same guy in Goodwitch as well. Yep. You know, it's interesting uh, that, that you pick that up because it's much more difficult to find today. Uh, back in the old three-channel universe, back when there were just three American network channels, uh, whether you watched the Rockford Files or whether you watched Gunsmoke, it didn't matter what you watched. There were just the same four or five guys as well. Don Stroud was one of them. So whenever you see this guy walk into the, uh, into the set, onto the show, you say immediately, oh, I know, that's going to be the villain. And he always is. And you picked this one up exactly right. Bill. <laughs> same thing. There you go. All right, uh, Rick, good to chat with you. Thanks, Joe. We will check in with you next weekend. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.